We've been talking about uh, living in the kingdom of God. What's it like? You know, what, what, are the, what are the resources that God has given us to live in his kingdom while we await the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? One of the things that I want us to, to remember is that Jesus promised us a helper for living in the kingdom. You know, he said when he, when he first began to talk to his disciples about going away, he said, but hey, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send a helper to be with you. In John 14, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. And so Jesus promised his disciples, his followers, that he was going to send a spirit. To, the spirit would come and abide with us, live with us. And then he says, and live in us. And so that's the, the promise that Jesus gave of help for living in the kingdom. And being a Christian means that the spirit of God dwells within you, lives within you. A spirit-filled Christian is not a special edition of Christian. A spirit-filled Christian is a Christian. The normal Christian, the fullness of the Spirit, is not something special for the preacher to have or something special for the deacons to have. It's something that God has given to all of us in order to to live in the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter's preaching this first Christian sermon, he says, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be yours. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So in the very first Christian message, Peter said, God is going to give you the Holy Spirit and not you, not just you, but all your children, your descendants, and everybody whom God calls to Himself. So we have within us the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we're looking at the book of Ephesians for, for this. Our text is coming out of Ephesians. And as we look at Ephesians for suggestions for living in the kingdom of God, we find that the Spirit Jesus promised His people is an important part of that. Because in chapter 5, in verse 18, Paul commands us to be filled with His Spirit. Listen to what he says, verse 18 and 19 of chapter 5. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. If you want to live successfully in the kingdom of God, it's mandatory you be filled with the Spirit, that you have the Spirit of God. It's not a suggestion. Paul doesn't say, now I suggest you get filled with the Spirit. You know, it, it is a command. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, and, and there's an interesting comparison there, and we'll come back and look at it in a minute. He says, don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Spirit. Don't be controlled by what you drink, be controlled by the Spirit that's within you. And I believe that, you know, if you look through the Bible, you recognize 
that one of the sins that are mentioned throughout the scripture is drunkenness. It's a sin to be drunk. It's a sin not to be filled with the Spirit as well. Not to live with the Spirit of God. And I think there's a reason why Paul compares it to to drunkenness and why he tells us and commands us to be filled with the Spirit is because Jesus knew it's not going to be easy to live for God in the kingdom after he goes. And, And all throughout history, for most of the history, it's not been easy to be a Christian, to be a believer. You know, it's not been in very many places. And, and I'm talking about just, just, just to call yourself Christian. We've been reading some uh, uh, history of Spain at our house. And you know, the history of Spain is, is a history of the battle between uh, secularism, Catholicism, Christianity, and Islam. It's all right there in the, in the country of Spain. It's, it's just kind of divided up that way. It's not easy. You know, Christians have a responsibility of worship. And worship is not easy. Worship is difficult outside the Spirit-filled life. That's why right after Paul says to be filled with the Spirit, in verse 19 he talks about worship. You know, you're filled with the Spirit, then you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Jesus told the woman at the well that if we're going to worship God, it has to happen in spirit and in truth. I think we're pretty good on the truth part. Sometimes I wonder how we are on the spirit part the spirit part of worship you know worship is an overflow of the spirit filled life and we and, and we long to worship the god and father of our lord jesus christ who gave us salvation after this the next subject that paul's going to address is relationships, getting along with other people. You know, how do you get along with other people? Verse 21 and 20 and 21. Uh, and then he's going to talk about how do you get along with husbands and wives? How are you related to one another? You know, how do you make your marriage work? And then he moves to parents and children and then to getting along in your work relationships. Do you see anything hard with any of those things? You know, it, it, those aren't the easiest things in the world to do. But if we're going to live with others to the glory of God in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Being Spirit-filled is a part of that. And Paul, after, after he does that, after he talks about relationships, then he's going to bring up the subject of spiritual warfare. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, You're dead before you start where spiritual warfare is concerned. You know, you, you cannot fight the battles of wickedness apart from the Spirit of God because they are, they're, they're demonic battles. They're, they are battles of the Spirit 
and you know Paul's going to say you know our, our war is not against flesh and blood but it's against the forces of wickedness in the high places uh, you've, not, you, you, you've got to be full of the spirit and we have an opportunity Paul says in this world in this kingdom to live successful in verse 15 of chapter 5 he says be careful how you walk not as unwise men but as wise men making the most of your time because the deeds the days are evil life's not easy the christian life is not easy it never has been but living in the spirit gives us an opportunity to bring glory to jesus christ now have i convinced you I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. If I haven't convinced you, I'll go back and start over. If I have convinced you, I'll go on from here and, and talk about uh, uh, being filled with the Spirit. If We can talk a little bit about how to be filled. It's important to, to understand and to note that the Holy Spirit is, is a person. The Holy Spirit is, is not some kind of of extraterrestrial power or some kind of of force that comes upon a person the the holy spirit is is a person just as god the father and god the son are persons you know if you look through the the scripture the new testament and even in the old testament he he acts he he wills he has a will the holy spirit loves the holy spirit can be insulted the Holy Spirit can, can be grieved. It's not just a substance that fills you or a power to supercharge you or a force to direct you. The Spirit of God is a person to live with you and inside you, Paul, Jesus said. And we're empowered by Him and used by Him. I think that that there are three requirements that you have to have in order to be filled with the Spirit. The, the first one is a total commitment, a complete commitment to the Spirit of God in every part of your life. If you're withholding a part of your life from the Holy Spirit, from God, from, from Jesus, if you've got a, a portion of your life that you just want God to stay out of, that it's impossible to be filled and dwelled with the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when, when we have company come to our house, you know, we, we say to them as they come in, you know, mi casa su casa, my house is your house, welcome. To act, act like you're at home. But we don't really mean that. You know, there are some parts of my house I don't want you in. Um, you know, if you go if you go to the to the restroom at my house, I don't want you going through the medicine cabinet and seeing what's in there. Come on, am I am I right? I don't want you going through my closets, and and you can't get in my gun safe. You know, there there's some places of my house that I don't want you into, and uh, uh, but we can't withhold any part of our life from the Holy Spirit. From God. God has to have control of every part of our life. Years, years and years ago, probably a hundred years ago, there were some ministers in a town that were 
planning. They'd all gotten together and they were trying to do a united evangelistic crusade. You know, that used to be a thing back in the 40s and 50s that even in the 60s that towns got together and did and they'd get the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the uh, anybody that would participate together and they would bring in a high-powered evangelist and they'd have the meeting uh, at a football field or a, a city auditorium or something like that. And uh, this city was doing that. <clears throat> and when the group that was putting it together met to select an evangelist, there was a bunch of them that wanted Dwight Moody, who was a, a well-known evangelist. They wanted him to come and and preach the uh, revival. They say that he was filled with the Spirit and he was anointed with the power of God to preach the Word. But there was one minister that uh, was holding out for another evangelist. I don't know who the other one was. And uh, they were debating it and they were talking about it. He was outnumbered. If they would have brought it for a vote, he would have lost. But eventually he just he, he just kind of in exasperation, said, Moody, Moody, Moody. That's the only name you seem to know. Does Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And one of the others looked at him and he said, No, but it seems like the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Moody. You see, that's what it is to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a monopoly on you. That means he owns all of you. He has every part of you. He, 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 he controls you and possesses you. Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on you? Have you given him the key to every room? Is he the resident or the president of your life? So, I think unless you can totally surrender, totally give your life to God and let God be in control of every part, there will always be a part of the Christian life that you won't be able to to accomplish, to do, to handle. And then, not only do you have to do that, but it has to be something that you do continually. In other words, you can't just do it once. And expect that to be enough. You can't just say, okay, God, you have control. And then forget it. It has to happen over and over and over again. Actually, the the actual translation of the verb that's used there when Paul says be filled with the Spirit, the actual translation of the verb form used in the command really means this. It should say, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Or be filled with the Spirit over and over again. Continually be filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time-for-all-time matter. It's a day-by-day, a moment-by-moment process as we yield to God. And, and I think some of the evidence of that is, is this. Why didn't the Lord say, or why didn't Paul say here, don't commit adultery, but be filled with the Spirit? Or why didn't he say, don't be a liar, be filled with the Spirit? Or don't steal, Be filled with the Spirit. Instead, he says, don't be drunk. Be filled with the Spirit. And I think there's a comparison there that that we can make. A comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting 
when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, do you know what the accusation of the disciples were? They were drunk. Because there's a, there, there's a comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. And, and here, I think, is the comparison. When a person is drunk, now I don't have a lot of experience with this, okay? Not a lot of personal experience with this. But, but I've noticed that, that when a person is drunk, he is brought under control by another power. The alcohol takes over his life. It changes the way he talks. Am I right? It changes the way he walks. It uh, changes his thoughts, his courage, his morals. All of those things change, and usually not for the better. Okay? They all change. And when a person is filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes over all those things. His life, his walk, his talk, his thoughts, his, his, his total life is taken over by the Spirit of God. Did you see that comparison? Let me ask you this. Do you think it's possible for a Christian who is Spirit-filled to sober up? In other words, we get to the point where we're not really controlled by the Spirit anymore. See, it's something that you have to continually do. You have to continue. In order order to to stay drunk, you have to keep drinking. In order to stay Spirit-filled, you have to keep consuming the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, God's Word in your life. You have to... Let the Holy Spirit have control. That's God dealing with you that He's in control. And folks, you don't need more Holy Spirit. You need to let the Holy Spirit have more of you. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be Spirit-filled. And Paul says, Here, <clears throat> here's some things you can look for. Uh, if uh, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The first thing he talks about is, is praise and adoration of God. The, the words that he uses there is, is singing and praising, praising and singing psalms and worshiping the Lord. We're, we're giving our worship to the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I think the worst thing that can be said about music and and by the way, John, thanks for doing that today. Thanks for standing in for Mike. And, and uh, Ruth, we always appreciate you playing for us. And so I'm not pointing anything at you, okay? Just put your hands over your ears. I'm not talking about you. Um, I'm not saying anybody says this. But the worst thing that can be said about music is not that it's off-key or it's not good or it's you know anything you can think of the wrong hymns you know anything you can think of to criticize the music none of those are the worst things you can say about the music in a worship service the worst thing you can say is that it's sung to the wrong audience 
you know, when we sing, you know, I got to tell you, I'm not singing to you. And you're glad. I'm singing to the Lord. I'm lifting my voice in praise to the Holy Spirit, to God. Uh, and and you, the same thing can be said with with all all the actions that we take. If we if we clap our hands, if we raise our hands, if we stand or if we sit, we don't do those for one another. If we do those, we do those for the Lord. That's worship. Worship is directed towards the Lord. Um, the, the, the second thing that, that Paul says, after verse uh, 19, he goes on to verse 20. In verse 20 he says, when you're full of the Spirit and you're worshiping the Lord, there's a spirit of thanksgiving. Verse 20 says, always giving thanks for all things to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. In everything, we don't grumble, but to give thanks. Anybody have trouble with that? Anybody have trouble with not grumbling? Come on, be honest. Everybody that says they don't have any trouble with not grumbling is lying. They have trouble with lying, you know. So uh, we can, you, you, you can choose which one it is. But, you know, we, we have trouble. We get, you know, Paul says you need to let the Holy Spirit take control of your grumbler so that it's not grumbling, it's praising, it's thankful in all things. You know, God is our, is our love. God is our source. God is sovereign. We've been looking at that on, on Wednesday night. I don't know about the rest of you. I really enjoyed that exercise that we did the last two weeks talking about God being sovereign and God in control. And, and there's no area where God does not rule or overrule in our lives. You know, it, it, it's, just, it, it's, just, it's just awesome. So let's don't be grumbling about what God's doing. You know, let, let's be thankful and giving praise. And then the next thing Paul talks about, he gets to verse 21 and he says, and then be submissive to one another in the fear of Christ. We, we learn how to get along with others. You know, I can tell you, relationships is hard. You know, I, I, I teach a uh, one-week seminar to pastors about how to get along with others, how to get along with your family, how to get along with your church, how to get along with your church leadership, you know, uh, how to get along with people outside the church. You know, how, how do you have relationships you know, relationships is not an easy thing to do. Agreed? Paul says you can be much better at it if you're filled with the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is, is directing you, you learn how to, to deal with that. Then, as I said, he goes into, into, into marriage, he goes into children, and he goes into employment situations. Uh, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to be in charge. The Holy Spirit is in charge. And you can be submissive to others. And you can be in subjection to others and let them have their way at times because the Holy Spirit is the one who's in charge. God is sovereign over all. And He's taking care. And, you know, 
Th those are all things that if, if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, it just doesn't make sense to you. It's only through the Spirit of God that you can understand those things. So here's a question. Why would you settle for less than God's best for you? The life that God wants for you. The life that God wants for you, He gives you the power to live. And it's His best for you. And anything less than that is just that. It's not the best. So, so why not the best? Why not have the best things that God has for you? He has the best life planned for you so we can sell out to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can pray and allow the Holy Spirit, that's what we're going to sing, to come and take control, to come and be in charge of my life. Let the Holy Spirit have control of every part of your life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that there could be a great revival in my heart and in your, the hearts of those around as we let the Holy Spirit control us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Let the Holy Spirit speak to God and ask Him, Fall fresh on me, Spirit.